Good morning, good morning, good morning, O house of Israel, wherever you are all over the world. This is the servant of Hashem, the servant of God, Dr. Israel, reaching out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel to convey to you what has been revealed to me, that this is the dawning, the dawning of a new era in time. This is the coming of the Mashiach, the long-awaited period, the prophetic redemption of Koel Yisrael. Yisrael, the house of Israel, is being redeemed from the exile, and I myself have been born in exile, been in exile for 70 years, but have, by virtue of the grace of Hashem, been resurrected from the dead and sent to Israel to be transformed by my intention to be holy, to touch the land, and that makes an indelible, indelible impression on my soul. So this is the redemptive period, the awakening of all of the tribes of Israel, and the coming of the Mashiach, the long-awaited one, is at hand. So the first path of my broadcast really will be entitled, There is Only One God. There is only one God, contrary to what I was taught many, many years that God was a trinity. As I have evolved, and truth is subjective, so I'm sharing with you my truth, and I think that there are many others who will resonate with this truth because the seed of Abram shall be as many as the dust of the earth, and if anyone can count the dust, then you can count the seed of Abraham. So there are many of you out in this world like me who are waiting for a deeper revelation of God to have a deeper awakening to your own spiritual resources and given a technology of consciousness by which you can activate that potential that you have. And you might be in places like perhaps I was where I knew that there was more to come. So my odyssey has taken me many, many places in my quest to be awakened from those early dark days in Alabama in the 50s when my grandmother said to me, we are the children of Israel in exile, but one day Hashem, the God of Israel, is going to come to you and take you home. And yes, that prophecy was fulfilled, and I have reached the land of Israel to touch the wall, to experience the enlightenment of the divine Shekinah that rests on the temple wall, and that has awakened my consciousness even deeper to the one true God of Israel. We understand that the nature of reality is duality because we look around and we see infinite diversity, but as we ascend to God consciousness, we realize that the reality of the duality is unity because God is one. So let me start before I go any further with the recitation of Shema. And Shema is the paramount commandment and acceptance of God's absolute sovereignty. Uh, sovereignty. So let me say this in the Hebrew language, this beautiful mitzvah which I'm commanded and all of God's children are commanded to say. And the more we say the Shema, 
which this broadcast is entitled, the, the more our consciousness will be awakened to that reality because we learn to say it in the Hebrew language. And we know that the Hebrew language is unlike any other language. It's just not conventional sound, but each letter of the Hebrew alphabet is a profound spiritual source that creates reality. So let me begin. El Melech Na'amen. Shema Yisrael. Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Chad. Baruch Shem Kivot Malchuto Le'olam Vayed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is the one, the one and the only, the infinite source of infinite creativity and the source of all relative Temporal phenomenon is our God. Baruch Shem Kivot Malchuto Le'olam Vayed. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom forever. We're commanded to say this daily. Add three paragraphs of the Shema. This is perhaps the most important one to recognize, to proclaim the sovereignty of God. There is one God, and we should, in the second paragraph, goes on to say in the Hebrew language, Via Hafta et Adonai Eloheka. And you shall love Hashem, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your resources. These matters that I say to you, that I command you today, set them on your heart and teach them thoroughly to your children. That these matters that I up on your heart, teach them thoroughly to your children when you sit in your home, when you walk on your way, when you lie down. When you rise, bind them as a sign upon your arm and let them be to fill in between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. And we see from this some very important that when we do these things that we teach them thoroughly to our children. What are we teaching our children? That God is one. He's the one sovereign God, the God that created the universe. In six days on the seventh day, he rested and he commanded us to rest on that seventh day because that seventh day is a holy day in which we can have the divinity of Hashem infused in our consciousness. So this program, Shema Yisrael, is sent out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel to say, you have a God. God is one, and we should love him with all our hearts, all our souls, all our resources. In other words, be preoccupied with this revelation. Teach them to your children. As you go on your way, think about them during the day. Write them down. Bind them as a sign upon your arm and let them be to fill in between your eyes. And these are practices that we do. We lay to fill in a way of putting God's name near to our heart and upon our head, committing our intellectual resources and our emotional resources to the Hashem because the very purpose of life, the main purpose of life, and let me go on to say that the only purpose of life is 
is to serve God and to walk in his holy way. And for the sake of God's holy name alone, in order to merit to know him. And knowing God is to be in sync with that ultimate reality that we call G-O-D, generator, organizer, and dispenser of all, not an anthropomorphic entity, but the ultimate source of reality by which, and we are an individualized expression of that creative intelligence, having an evolutionary odyssey, moving through this earthly plane, becoming aware that this Reality called Earth is a temporal display of the ultimate reality, God, the God of Israel, the one true God. So we say, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Chad, Baruch Shem Kivod, Malchuto Le'olam Vayet. And we're calling out to all of those who, like me, have been lost in the shadows of religion, and perhaps resting complacently in religious graves, as I was, lost in the Christendom, serving a man rather than serving God. So let me begin to talk just a little bit. Before I again, let me say in the Hebrew language, Adonai Sifatai Tifatak Ufi Yagir Tehila Teka, which simply means, O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praises. Oh, blessed Lord. Now you'll hear Baba Yahshua, Dr. Israel, clapping my hand profoundly because this is a way in which I can evoke the air of the Holy Land. I am a student of Rebbe Nachman, uh, that great Hasidic master who has given us a deeper revelation of profound truth. And the reason I clap my hand, because Rabbi Nachman says that when we clap our hand together, uh, the 28 letters which are in the creation, which took place in the creation, are aroused, and that we possess the power then to purify the air huh, of our hands and to purify the air around us, to purify the air of the land of the nation and to expel impure air. So here I am clapping my hands, proclaiming to you, the law sheep of the house of Israel, that God is one. The spirit of redemption is moving. This is the new era. So in the spirit of redemption, there is a very beautiful prayer, which I would like to read, and it's called really the miracle prayer. I'll say it to you in the Hebrew language because the Hebrew language is a very, very important technology of consciousness, and that we, O law sheep of house of Israel, we've been denied to know this Lashan HaKodesh. The Hebrew language is a holy language that we find in the Torah. It's the language of God. It reflects the mind of God, and each letter is a spirit a powerful, profound source of creative intelligence. And these letters of the Hebrew alphabet that we Israelites learned and were given to us were used in different combinations to create the phenomenological creation that we see. This prayer that I'm going to read to you, I might get happy and perhaps even sing it, is called Anna Bakoak. Anna Bakoak. We beg you with power. So I'll read it to you in the Hebrew language because I'm sowing seeds out in the ethers. These words will go out into ethers, in the ethers, ethers, and in the even in the heavens and create the effect. Because Hashem says in his word that his words 
do not come back void. And these are his words. So let me read this beautiful, beautiful prayer that was composed by a very holy man, Atana, and Rabbi Nukaniah being Hakanah in the first century. And it's known by all of the Yehudim. It's played in Israel in all types of places. Some people even, even put it on the telephone to remind them that we, Israel, Koel Yisrael, are in need of redemption because some of our people have gone home on back on the land starting in the late 40s. And now we're going to have the whole people of God are going to be able to touch that small piece of land and be transformed spiritually because to touch the land of Israel is, is a great gift and your spirit will be renewed upon that. So this prayer was composed for, it's an eloquent appeal for uh, a plea for the redemption of Israel to be saved from the exile. And we, O lost sheep of the house of Israel, we are still in exile and we're waiting and experiencing degrees of the redemptive, prophetic redemptive period. Let me begin with this miracle prayer. And you may look this prayer up. It's called Anaba Koak, and also called the 42-letter name of God, because it's a prayer that's composed of seven lines, and each, each line has six words. And each line is six words, and each initial consonant in the six words, these six words comp uh, comprise and form a name of God. So without delay, let me read the prayer to you in Hebrew or say the prayer to you in Hebrew. Barakim Tarim Rakami sits Datika Tamid Gamlem. Hasin Kadosh Barov Tufka Nahila de Taker. Yahid Gehile Ameka Pe Zokare Kadush Dateka. Shavate Nukabil Ushma Sazakate Nu Yodea Talmot. And the translation, we beg you with the strength of the greatness of your right hand to untie, untie the bundle, the bundle of sins that prevent our prayers from ascending to the throne of God. Accept the prayer of your people. Strengthen us. Purify us, O awesome one. Please, O strong one, those who foster your oneness, like the pupil of an eye, guard them. Bless them. Purify them. Show them your mercy. May your righteousness always recompense them. Powerful one, holy one, with the abundance of your goodness, guide your congregation. Unique one, exalted one, to your people turn, those who proclaim your holiness. You, our entreaty, accept and hear our cry, O Noah of mysteries. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom forever. Such a very beautiful prayer called online, you may find it called the 42-letter name of God, because I said to you, there's a seven-line prayer, six words in each line, six times seven is 42, thus it's called this 42-letter name of God, and it's a miracle prayer. And those of us who are in the exile, at the propitious moment, this, this, this prayer will come to you. This prayer came to me 10 years ago, and my quest to know 
the one true God of Israel, my desire to touch the land of Israel. And suddenly I probably can't even remember how this came to me. I found this prayer and I began to say this prayer and miracle after miracle has happened in my life as a function of saying this prayer to you, O house of Israel, the law sheep of the house of Israel, those of you who like myself, who know that you are an ancient soul, know that you are not a contemporary modern man and feel some need to find spirituality that's deep and rich. And you'll find that when you are a member of the house of Israel, you'll find that in the Torah because the Torah is truth, hallelujah, and the truth is God's word, and the Torah is everlasting, and the Torah is consisting of the letters of Hashem. And we say in the holy Yehuda tradition that these words, these Aleph Bet, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, were fashioned by Hashem 2,000 years before he created the world, and he created the world with them. So I am asking you and encouraging you to write this down. Anna, Anna Bekoak, the prayer, also the 42-letter name of God. Google it and learn it. And if you learn it, your life will be transformed. If you're down, you'll rise up. If you're destitute, you'll find consolation. If you're lonely, you'll find joy. If you're poor, you'll find richness. If you're sick, you'll find healthiness. Oh, yes, because it's a very profound prayer composed by a very, very holy rabbi in the first century CE in this common era. Anabakoak, say it every day. The intention of this broadcast is to share with you, O house of Israel, what I have been taught and what I have learned. And one of the things that I have learned in my odyssey is I encountered this, this song of redemption, which is Na Na Nakman Nakman Me Uman, the song of redemption. Because it was given, it came to us from heaven in this dispensation by a holy, holy, holy Hasidic master, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. May his memory be blessed and praised. So in the spirit of redemption, two prayers I have given you. One, Anabakoak, and I've told you which is called the single, double, triple, quadruple song of redemption. Say it again. The single, double, triple, quadruple song of redemption, if chanted, will ensure that you are drawn closer to Hashem. You will hear me clapping my hand because I have gone to the land of Israel. And wherever I clap my hands, I am invoking the air of the land of Israel that will purify the environment and let the word of God pierce the darkness in which we find ourselves here in the exile. So this prayer of redemption, Anabakoak, and its supplement, na na nakman nakman me uman, has to be said for those of you who are seeking to be redeemed. The intention of this broadcast is to share with you what has been revealed to me. 
And contrary to what has been espoused in Christian, that is the Trinitarian theology, the truth, however, is that God is one. Trinitarian theology is a concept. A concept is not God. A concept is an intellectual uh, intellectual explanation about something in this matter. But what we have is the truth now. And we're going to hold on the truth because 400 years we have been here in isolation and we have been ignorant. We did not know how to read the Torah and we didn't know what to do. We were simply brought here on a slave ship by John Hawkins named the good ship Jesus and we've been under Jesus for 400 years and we have not accrued much momentum because there is a fundamental frequency that we have. There's a fundamental vibration to everything and we being the original people we have a fundamental vibration because God made us first and we are to find God's truth in his Torah and may his words of the Torah transform us. And let me just say one other thing. There's a deeper meaning to the Torah. The Torah is not the stories. The stories of the Torah that we read, of course, they have tremendous value, spiritual value, but there are deeper levels of, of meaning. In fact, according to the tradition of the Yahudut, there are four different levels of meaning of the Torah. We won't go into that right now, but the most superficial is the prashat, that is the surface value, uh, the literal meaning, and of course there are deeper meanings. And mystically we know that the stories simply then are a, are a garment, a, a garment in which the pure light of Hashem in the heavenly realm is concealed. And when you study and begin to read the Torah, it's a process. And you move forward and you encounter the stories and the stories reveal themselves and the stories then point you to a deeper meaning, which is to the letters that comprise the words. And we learn the letters that comprise the words and our soul is elevated and we're connected to the upper realm. And then reading the Torah becomes the great joy of every Yehudi. The great joy of every Yehudi, we're not reading conventional words when we read the Torah and we pray for our Lashan HaKodesh. And I'm speaking to the lost sheep of the house of Israel who want more, who need more, who are yearning for more, who are yearning for an authentic relationship with their father, their God father. They want to have a deeper meaning and we have been lost down in the doldrums of life, living in the most wretched conditions, learning to spill seed and violate the covenant of God, which he made with our forefathers, and we'll have more to say about that. Let me reiterate what I have said to you, that God is one, and we should love him with all our hearts, all our soul, all our resources. And a man can't have three gods or four gods or five gods because you can't love three or four or five gods with all your heart. You'll either hate one and love the other or favor the one. So Hashem tells us in his Torah in Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Yisrael, 
the Lord our God is one, and you should love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your resources and think about this all the time and talk to your children about it all the time and bind God's holy words upon your arm and put them on your forehead and dedicate your resources because what we're going to learn in this cycle of the dawning and the coming of Mashiach, we're going to learn what the purpose of life is. We've been down in the in the wretched place. We've been down in the miry clay stuck where money lust and idolatry is the way of the society. Everybody's thinking about money and everybody is pursuing idolatry. But you, O house of Israel, you have a calling and your calling is stated very clearly to you in Leviticus, in Leviticus 19.2. This is God says, be holy for I am holy. You, O house of Israel, you have no choice. You have no choice but to be the priest that Hashem has called you to be because you are his son. It says very clearly in the Exodus, Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, that you, O house of Israel, is the son of God. It says, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So God never says he has an only begotten son. That's someone else's theory and someone interpretation. If we want to know exactly what God says, we look in his Torah because these are his words and he makes it very clear. The first time we were in bondage down in Mitzrayim, he told Mose, Rebino, our rabbi, go and tell Pharaoh, let my, let my son go. Israel is my son, my firstborn son. Let him go that he may praise my holy name, that he may offer what I need, that he may dedicate his resources in, my, in his life to praising me. And we have been stuck here in the wilderness of North America practicing idolatry and, and money lust and spilling seed. And therefore, we are found, O Yisrael, O house of Israel, at the bottom of society, longing for uh, something that you cannot have because your purpose is to be holy. God told Israel, be holy for I am holy. You see, and he didn't say go and be successful and earn money. This is the objective of someone else who wants to have money because maybe their soul is such that they're going to have heaven here. But we aren't going to have heaven here. We're going to have heaven in the world to come and a taste of heaven now as we don to fill in and welcome the Sabbath day and keep the mitzvah that Hashem gave Israel. We begin to taste a foretaste of heaven here on earth and as we are transformed through the renewing of our mind so that we become God conscious. This is because it says in Hosea chapter 2 verse 20, you shall know me. And knowledge is the link between the observer and the observed. So we are here to know God. Oh, house of Israel, who are you? Who are you? You are the priest. 
My profession was an audiologist. I practiced audiology for 40 years. But I knew all the time that wasn't me. There's a deeper part of me that was longing. That was just something that integration gave me. That was just an avenue, a means to an end. I met a very holy lady. She said, you know, Dr. Israel, all your life, all you've been doing is subbing as an audiologist. I said, oh, really? said, your real purpose is to proclaim to this world that God is one. And he is holy and to be holy. And it says in Leviticus 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 2, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy for I, Adonai Eloheinu, the Lord your God, am holy. And that's so beautiful because you want to know who am I? What is my purpose? And we see the mass media, they project materialism as a way of life, materialism as a means of having fulfillment, uh, the acquisition of titles and money as a way to have success. But God did not call us to success. He called us to holiness. And when you're holy, you are, uh, you are connected to eternal, eternal life, that life that is not biological. We are know that because when you're holy, you have the potential to have eternal life. As we say every day, we read the Torah. And before we read the Torah, we make a Torah blessing of the Torah, which we thank God for calling us and blessing us with his Torah. And after we finish reading the Torah, we make a prayer. And we say in that prayer, blessed are you, Hashem, our God, King of the universe, who gave us the Torah of truth. And the life of eternity he implanted with us. Oh, that's a beautiful revelation. The life of eternity. We say this prayer. And that's so beautiful. Because what we're talking about, oh, lost sheep of the house of Israel, who are you? What is your gift? Oh, you're great basketball players. Yes, you're great athletes. You're great runners. But this is just an indication of what your real prowess is. Spiritual, because of the law of correspondence. As above, so below. So as above, so below. Above you are seed of Abraham. You are God's son, as it says in Exodus 4.22. But you are estranged from yourself, and you're in the, in, in the darkness uh, of secularism in a secular world, and you're pursuing secular things. And if you want to rise up, oh, house of Israel, I'm talking to, there is only one way for you. You can look at other people. They may not be uh, sons and daughters of God. They may be great men, and uh, they were not designated to be the priests of God. They have another incarnation objective. They have something else to do, and it may be considered worldly. We've got two categories of life. We've got the sacred, the spiritual, or we have the, 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 the sacred and the secular. And we're talking about a secular world in which we live in where God is not praised. Idolatry is practiced. Spilling seed is a way of life. Money lust is the conventional way of being. And here I am telling you what Hashem has called me. He says, oh, no, others may, but you may not. The main purpose of life is only for you. 
O house of Israel, to serve God and to walk in his ways for the sake of God's holy name alone, in order that you may marry to know him. See, the people in the world, they may not know him. They know about God, and God is love, and God is their father. He's given God has given us life, but his glory he gives to no other people than the Yahudut. Because we are the priests, we are people who have taken on the Torah and said, yes, we will do your will. We'll dedicate ourselves to you. We will be holy as you have commanded us. So this broadcast is dedicated to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And when the North Atlantic slave trade was booming, Israelite population was brought here in the loin of our forefathers during the North Atlantic slave trade. And my ancestors were there and they dropped us off in the Caribbean. And from the Caribbean, we migrated to North America, to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and worked in the coal mines. Dying there in the coal mines when we moved on down to Alabama, where I was born. And my grandmother said, dear son, I said, why are we so abused and treated this way? She said, this is Hashem's will for us. We violated his tenets and ordinances, by, and we have been sent into the exile. And she taunted me to Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter and the 68th verse. It said, Hashem said, I'm going to send you back a second time in ships to the exile. And we came here in the exile I could believe 400 years ago. There's some debate about that, but we've been here and we have promised to be delivered. And this is the propitious moment. Oh, lost sheep of the house of Israel, those of you who are floundering in the Christian dumb, resting in your comfort zone. But one thing about a comfort zone, nothing grows in the comfort zone. So you've been very comfortable being a Christian because we had no choice. You have no choice but to be what the oppressor or the slave master required of you. Your very life was contingent upon you adhering to whatever was said. And we were ignorant and we could not read and we were abused. And so we did uh, we did what we needed to do to survive, to say, yes, I believe what you believe. I believe what you taught me. And we did that for not 100 years, not 200 years, not 300 years, but 400 years. 400 years, and we see in Genesis uh, that God said, you're going to be treated by people shamefully for 400 years, but I'm going to come and get you. And that time now has come. We find that in Ezekiel 2, where Ezekiel 34, Hashem, he says, I myself are going to come and get you. So, O lost sheep of Israel, this is the propitious moment. All of you, all of you who know that you're an ancient soul, all of you who are longing for more, all of you who are praying for more, all of you who, if my people, see, and you are God's people, my people who are called by my name, Second Chronicles 7, 14, would turn from your wicked ways, huh? call upon me then I'm going to come and rescue you. So, oh, house of Israel, and this goes to, I'm calling who the house of Israel, black people, Negroes, colored people, Latinos, Hispanic, Indians, Cubans, Jamaican, Islanders, Trinidadians, Chinamen, African, African-American, wherever you are, you know that this is the propitious moment. 
for you. And God is calling out to you because he inspired me to conceive this idea. He gave me this idea when I was in, in, in spot in northern Israel, a very holy city, the city where the great Kabbalists are and Kabbalah had its inception there with great rabbis like Rabbi Isaac Luria, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, their mikvahs are there. You go to these holy places and you take your holy bath and your life will be changed and you will never be the same. You will be resurrected from the dead. So we, the seed of Abraham, are given being ingathered, resurrected from the death of our Christian experience and coming to know that there is only one God. There is only one God. Now, when I read the Torah, I see many references to the fact that God says he is one. I just quoted one in Deuteronomy 6.4. Shema Yisrael, hear, O Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, the Lord our God, Adonai Echad, the Lord our God is one. But I can also find it in Deuteronomy. And I would ask you to write these scriptures down and investigate them for yourself because these are not my words. I'm just the voice of one crying here in the wilderness that God is one. And you should love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your resources. Money can't save you. Titles can't save you. You can't save yourself. Only God can save you and give you peace and rest and a taste of the world to come, even in this world. And he alone can resurrect you from the Christian graves where we were taught to worship a man. But God is not a man, as it says in the Torah. Huh? God is not a man that he should lie the son of man. It's over in Numbers 19, 23, 23, 19. We find it for you right now because it is the truth and it's something that you need to know because we have not known the truth. We have not walked in the truth. And this is a very, very special time in the creation. You are very fortunate to be alive to know that God is God. He alone will save you. He alone can save you. He alone is the only Savior. And I told you, if you go to Numbers 23, chapter 23, verse 19, it says very clearly, God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. Has, has he said and he will not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? So God is not a man. That's a concept. Man has the potential to rise up to his fullest potential and be conscious of the God and one with God and appointed, anointed. But man can never be God because God is all. And the all is <laughs> The all is not a personification in a, in a cannot be contained in a in a neurological or physiological system. God is not man. Uh, Numbers twenty three nineteen. So write that down. But here's what God says in Deuteronomy four, chapter four, verse thirty five. And I'm going to read several of these, which just to recapitulate and establish the thing that God is one. To you, it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none other beside him. That's very important for you to know. And God wants to know. So we have several verses. Deuteronomy 6, 4, God says, uh, I am one. 
God is one and the only. We see it in Deuteronomy now, 435. God says himself that you might know that God is one and there is none other beside him. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 32, 32nd chapter of Deuteronomy, verse 39. Now see that I, even I am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill, I make alive, I wound, and I heal. Nor is there anyone who can deliver from my hand. So we're building a case here of looking in this Torah to say, who does God say he is? Does God say he's a trinity? Does God say he's multifarious? Does God say he is one? And my point to you, O house of Israel, those who know that you're ancient spirit, you know that you have been estranged from your God and you've worshipped someone else's God. You've been bowing down to statues and all sorts of things that have no life in and you become like the people who created and fashioned them. And God is now coming to get you, to redeem you, to say, you are mine. And believe me, he says, only I can make alive. I wound. I heal. There is no one who can deliver you from my hands. We find the fine thing, the same thing in Samuel. Second Samuel, seven twenty-two. Therefore, you, O great, O Lord God, for there is none like you. You see, there's none like you. If you had three gods, then the second god would be like the first god, and the third they would all be alike. But there's none like you. Nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears and we know within our heart, because once we begin to to praise the one God and read his Torah, your life makes a turn. You begin to be elevated. You become close to God. There's a psychological and a psychophysiological response to that union of God. You begin to transcend the biological and have that eternal life that I spoke of you in the Torah blessing when we say, Vihaye Olam Nita Bitukenu, and that life of eternity he plants within you. And that eternal life is the life of God. We said the same thing. Now go to 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 60. That all of the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. How many times does God have to say, I am God alone? And many of you have been serving God in the churches and you never, ever praise God. You praise one of his prophets, somebody who sent in his name. But God himself saying, I alone am God. And I want you to know this because this is the purpose for which you came into this world. There's only one purpose. The main purpose of life is only to serve God and to work and walk in his ways for the sake of God's holy name in order to merit to know him, to become unified with God, to become God consciousness is an exalted state of awareness. We see very beautiful reading. I'm going to go to Malachi, Malachi, the book of Malachi, chapter one, verse six. I often think of this. I remember one of the first times I went to Israel and I was having dialogue with my higher self. 
my spiritual self, my that self that had taken me to Israel and had taken me to the temple wall and allowed me to touch the temple wall where I shook and cried and something was awakened there that had been dormant. And I knew then, oh, I have been here thousands of years ago. And this is something. And it says now in Malachi, this came to me, a son, Malachi 1.6, write this down and look at it. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am father, where is my honor? If I am master, where is my reverence, says Adonai Sabaoth to you priests who despise my name? You see, there's a great uh, conspiracy that takes place that is to conspire against the truth of God's name because God creates both light and darkness. The reality of duality is unity. God's make darkness for his purpose. That's why when I come here and I've experienced this terrible hatred and racism, I forgive the people who treated me that way. Why? Because they were purposeful in my life. Had they not treated that me that way, I would not have known Hashem. I would have said, oh, I'm one of you, but I could never be one of them because I belong to Hashem. And so when I became aware of the fact that the darkness also is created by Hashem for its purpose, I forgave and I do forgive all of you who have harmed me, who have hurt me, who did not like me because I was an Israelite, because I had the spirit of Hashem in me and I was sent here. And I was sent here to experience everything that I experienced because of the perfection of Hashem. It was part of what we call the tikkun, a part of my tikkun, a part of my correction, so that I could come to realize that I have only one purpose, and that is the purpose of my life is to serve God and to lift up his name. And that's why I have his name in my name. Yah, hallelujah, is his holy name, and it is in a part of my name. I want to go back now. The point that I would made in, 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 in Malachi 1, 6 is that this is what Hashem revealed to me. So, you know, you haven't been praying to me. You learned about Vishnu. You learned about Shiva. You learned about Rastafari. You learned about Buddha. You learned about Jesus but you didn't know nothing about me. And here I am in this cycle of your life. I want you to know that yes, all of these were my people. They did what I asked them to do, but I alone am the Holy One. I alone am God. I alone am the God of Israel. There is none beside me and I don't need anybody else but me. And I sent all of these other people to be an expression of me so that they can do my will, which is to raise humanity's consciousness in different avenues to the fact of the reality of duality, which is unity, that God is one, as we have said at the outset of our program, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Had, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. I want to go now to 2 Kings to continue my theme in the first part of this program that there is only one, one God. Hallelujah. 2 Kings 5.15, and now, indeed now, know that there is no God in all the earth 
except in Israel, the one true God of Israel. Oh, it's so beautiful. No, I'll give you another scripture here that you can look them up, write them down and do this for, for your own growth into the revelation of what God is saying. And God will speak to each one of you differently because each one of you is an expression of God. Second Kings nineteen fifteen. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, God of Israel, the one who dwelt between the cherubims, you are God, you are God alone. First Chronicles 17, 20. There is none like you, nor is there any beside you. So I've taken the time of this first pass. I see that my time is moving. I want to turn now to my second part. I want to make some, some points about why uh, the Mashiach is coming and why the Mashiach has never been here. And uh, because the, the what was the Mashiach supposed to do? You see, if you ask anybody, it says, you know, is 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 J.C. the Mashiach? And they will say yes. And then you say, well, what was the Mashiach supposed to accomplish? Well, you'll get assorted answers, but basically you won't know because those of us who are in the house of Israel, we were just simply told that uh, we're supposed to believe with all our heart. And if we didn't believe that, that uh, we were going to go to hell, not knowing that we were already in hell. But there were prophecies that we find in the Torah. There were certain things that the Mashiach was supposed to do. And let me tell you some of them. There are six universal criteria that the Mashiach is supposed to meet. He's supposed to, one, according to Ezekiel, 36, chapter 36, verse 26 to 28, rebuild the temple. I'll go to these quickly because of time constraints. The second thing that the Mashiach was supposed to do, gather all the Hebrews back to the land of Israel. And when Yahshua was here, well, we, we, we had not been sent into exile, so he didn't fulfill this criteria, meet this criteria, so he couldn't have been the Mashiach. Number three, the Mashiach is going to usher into an age of peace, in all hatred, oppression, suffering, and disease. And we find that in Isaiah chapter 2, verse, verse 4. And we see rebuilding the temple, I told you, is going to find beautiful in uh, Ezekiel 36, 26 through 28. And uh, he's going to get us all back. We find that in Isaiah 43, chapter 43, verse 5 through 6. Usher in an age of peace in all hatred, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. Spread universal knowledge of the God of Israel. Spread universal knowledge of the God of Israel, huh? which will unite all humanity. We find that in Zechariah, Zechariah 14, 9. God will be king over all the world on that day. God will be one and his name will be one. And he will be anointed king of Israel. Second Samuel 7, 12 through 16. And finally, he'll have the correct genealogy. And there's a considerable dispute about the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew, uh, Matthew says in 1, 16, one thing about whose Joseph father was. And in Luke, the third chapter 23, there's a discrepancy about who the name of uh, Joseph's father is. And there's a, a 15 
a generation discrepancy. So the 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 personage of Yeshua uh, did not meet the criteria of the Mashiach, and and more importantly, on a pragmatic level, today we see uh, millions of babies being aborted, the world's at war, mass killings, people are afraid and dying, people have gun consciousness. All of these militate against this being a messianic era. The messianic promises that we find in the Torah have not been fulfilled. Many of them have not been fulfilled and they won't be fulfilled. I can ask you to write these down in terms of unfulfilled messianic promises. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Isaiah chapter 32, 15 through 16. Isaiah chapter 60, 15 through 18. Zephaniah 3, 9. That Zephaniah 3.9 is very beautiful because in Zephaniah 3.9, Hashem said, I'm going to give you a pure language. And that is the Lashan HaKodesh, the Aleph Bet, so that you can read his Torah and be transformed by the light therein. We see in Zechariah something very beautiful happening. 8.23, 10 men from every nation and tongue is going to grab hold to a Yehudi, to a Hebrew, a Jew. From B'nai Israel and say, look, we want to go with you for we know that the God of Israel is the one true God. The God of Jacob is the one true God. Hallelujah. And we find in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 says that we're going to beat our swords into plowshares and we're not going to learn war anymore. So this is a very, very beautiful time in history, a beautiful awakening that is taking place in the world, the revelation of the one true God. And all of you are experiencing to one degree to the other that God alone is God. And we're being set free from the false teachings and idolatry. Isaiah 44, 6 says, I am the first and the last. Beside me, there is no God. And who can proclaim and do as I do? And Isaiah 45, 21, and there is no God beside me, a just God and Savior. I am God. There is none beside me. Isaiah 46, 9. Remember the former things of old no more. Huh? For I am God. There is no other. I am God and there is none like me. And if God said I have a biological son and God doesn't have a biological son, both a born of a woman, a virgin. He has a nation of kings and priests who have been called to lift up his name, to praise the name of God, to give glory and praise to God. And that is their purpose. And that is your purpose, O house of Israel. So I pray that you will turn from your wicked ways, humble yourself, read the Torah. There's no such thing as an Old Testament. The words of God are eternal, as it says in Psalms 119, verse 89. Your words, O Lord, are fixed in the heavens, because if the words of the Old Testament were new, then the light would go out. Because he said in Genesis 1, Genesis, Yehi, or <laughs> let there be light. 
or and there was light, and that light remains. And he said, let there be a firmament, and the firmament is there. So these are just a few examples of why the words of God are eternal, and there's no such thing as an Old Testament for B'nai Yisrael, for the Hebrew children, for the Jewish people. We hold steadily to the word of God that's found in the Torah. For the word words of God are eternal and his light is ever ending. His joy is an unfathomable joy that nothing in the material world, no statue, no title, no amount of money can equate with. It's the beautiful experience. So you, O house of Israel, it is your awakening. I'm speaking only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, those who are my brothers and sisters who know in your heart that you have been taught something that was not right or it was not right for you. And when you turn from your evil ways and find the Torah, you will find the light of God. You will find the joy of God. You will find the peace of God. So it's been my great joy today to talk to you, to encourage you to find the highest. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is within you. And the means by which we activate the kingdom of heaven is reading the words of God, the reading the words of God in the Hebrew language. And I would ask you, you, O house of Israel, to petition Hashem, say, Oh, Lord God, please give me my Lashon HaKodesh. I want to learn to pray in the holy language. I want to pray like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to, you to teach me your way. And in fulfillment of Zachariah 8.23, I want to find the God of Jacob. I want you to take hold to the seat seat of a Jew. Take hold of a seat seat of a Hebrew and say, teach me how to call upon the name of God. You, O house of Israel, you, O black man in America, need to be resurrected from the dead. You have been forgotten by everybody except Hashem. And Hashem has sent me to tell you that he has not forgot you. In fact, he has come to get you to claim you as his own. And you read the Torah and you're going to find in Exodus 4.22 and you're going to see yourself because you know the soul knows on its own identity. No one can tell you who you are. That still voice inside of you will speak to you and say to you, you are my son. And as it says in Leviticus 19.2, as I am holy, be ye holy. And you go to those who understand Hashem's word. And they are teach you. I'm going to shove a shout out to my people up in Muncie, New York, and to a very kadosh soul named Joseph Burnfield, a young man who I love and who loves me. And he is filled with the spirit. And all of my nanaks out there who say daily, repeatedly, na na nakman nakman me uman, na na nakman nakman me uman, the song of redemption, and also the 42 letter name of God, Anaba Koak. And as this program's in, I'll be singing this song for you. Ana, Anaba Koak. Gandulati minka tatu sedrua kabil rinat am kasak vengnu tarenu tarenu nora 
Ana Bakoa Gulati Minka Tatisatrua Kabilinadam Kasak Venu Tarenu Nura Nagibo Dashi Yehudika Kavavat Shamri Barakin Tarim Rakami Sitstateka Tamid Gimlen Hasin Kadosh, Hasin Kadosh, Barov to Ka Nahila de Take Yehid Gehile, I make a pay, Zukure Kadush, I take a Shavate Nu Kabil, Ushma Sazakate Nu Yodea Talmud. La, 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 la. Oh, it's a glorious time in our world. The redemptive period has come, the prophetic redemption, the waking of all of Israel, Kol Yisrael, all of the tribes, ten tribes who have been lost. Now you are being called. Come home. Come home, my people. Come home to holiness. Come home to righteousness. Come home to joy. Come home to life. Come home to eternal life and be that light that I have intended you to be and nothing in this material world, no amount of money, no title can equate to equate to being in sync with that organizing intelligence that we know is the one and only true God. So as this program closes, I greet you in the Hebrew language. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be upon you, all of Israel. <laughs>